everyone, uh, welcome to this week's Wrapped in the Kitchen. It is Sunday the 10th of March 2019. Uh, I am one of your hosts, uh, Tommy Bass, and joining me today is Neil McCulloch. Uh, unfortunately, Paco Rodriguez is not here at the moment. He, he had better things to do. He's away for a walk. Um, I think it's the no, it's not the John Muir way, or is it the John? Yeah, I think he's, yeah, he he started he, he started that yesterday, and then he's away doing the bigger one the day. Um, unfortunately for him, it's kind of raining and started to snow, so so, get it so hopefully he he makes it back in one piece and isn't you know devoured like a cougar like I was in Red Dead Redemption 2 when I was messing with the snowy hills devoured like a cougar devoured by a cougar sorry uh, devoured like a cougar is two different things though. that is very true um, speaking of Red Dead Redemption 2 man I had the pleasure of finishing that game obviously not the whole thing I've not done that thing where I need to go you know create satchels and get all the dead animal skins you and know, stuff I don't I, really I, I care I never did any of that no no difference to my enjoyment of yeah that. I I loved the game though. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I loved the ending. Um, I I just really enjoyed it. It's one of the first. I mean, not that I'm a big gamer. That I'm fairly new to having a PlayStation Four. Like the last console I owned before that was the PlayStation Two. Um, but even then, I kind of came out of that gamer phase. And having got having uh, inherited a PS Four, and uh, got Red Dead Redemption Two, I was like, holy shit! This is the first time in a long time where I'm like, I want to go back and do like you know all the bounty hunting and helping random folk. Not so much, right? You need this exotic plant to cut to you know cook a thing. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But uh, no, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And then I um, started game sharing with my brother, which I'll be honest. It's not confusing. It really is. It when you really think about it, it's a very simple thing. But oh, it's, it's the easiest process in the world. But see, like me and my brother, like again, this is no disrespect to my brother or anything because I'm the same. But there's times where he'll log in and then I'll be logged out and then he'll phone me and be like, "Right, so what is it I need to do again?" And I'm like, "Right, I think." And then I'll explain it. I'm like, "Right, hold on, right." And then I'm like, "Paco, is this right?" And he went, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Okay, we're like, you, you don't need to keep." Once no, I know. Yes, like Although, we're we're kind of over it. We're we're on the right track now because I I as a present uh, I bought him because uh, when we started game sharing I had Titanfall two and Doom and that was it and he's already got Red Dead whereas he had a bunch of games so I was like well I'll tell you what I'll buy Far Cry for you and you can I'll download it and you can play it because you were desperate to play it um so I've got Far Cry and. Uh, the game of the month that was free with PSN users was Modern Warfare One, which I've never played. So yeah, I'm yeah. no, I I, I Mod- played Modern Warfare Two, which Modern was Warfare, amazing. Modern Warfare One is a fantastic game. Mm. Uh, that's a big Sol McTavish uh, is a, a great protagonist, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm trying to remember. You'll have to excuse me, listeners. I'm, <laughs> I'm fucking knackered. I've been awake for fucking hours. Yeah. Uh, so excuse me if I seem not so much low energy, but not quite in the room. For, for a change, for a change, I'm actually fucking sober. Which uh, Captain Price. Captain Price yeah. is a fine mustachioed gentleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You'll you'll believe in everything he tells you, and you'll want to win these wars. Well, you need that a leader. Like, yeah. there's there, there's certain times where you like, if you're gonna have someone as that character, you're like, as an audience, or you know, you want to believe them. Whereas, for example, 
Like, when Idris Elba says he wants to cancel the apocalypse, I thoroughly believe that, and I believe in his cause. Whereas when Orlando Bloom is leading folk in uh, Kingdom of Heaven, I don't give a fuck. I'm like, mate, you, who cares what you say? Same as, like, I'll be honest, to a certain extent, Morpheus as well, Matrix Revolutions, I'm not impressed with his uh, speech. Aye, because Morpheus is just fucking cat posters. He's what? what? You know, he's like he's cat posters. Yeah, you know, like he's like he's like these things you see on Facebook that like in a lonely middle-aged women loads of cats put up. It's, like, it's a picture. It's a picture of hills or sun and sunshine and it's set and it's like some inspirational. Oh, an inspirational quote, quote. right? Right. I'm you know. Says it's like, oh yeah, you might be you might be the chosen one, but oh, you totally are, mate. I believe you. You but you gotta believe it. Believe in yourself or nobody else. Well, fuck off, Morpheus. I'll tell you what, man. Speed the man come through. Yeah, he he had he made the wrong choice with the old man egg on his face. <laughs> that, that's Turns the, out it's not that, him. That's the Matrix reboot I want to see yeah. when Neo takes the fucking red pill. Yeah, the the, the Ryan the Ryan Johnson reboot of the Matrix. <laughs> Do you want to take this pill? Nope. The end. No. No, it is. Well, we thought we used one, but midway through, we're told there is no one. <laughs> um, it's really that guy in front of all those toys. That's right. That's right. How's your week been? How's my week been? Oh, well, as I said, I finished Red Dead Redemption, which was uh, just a delight. Um, I've switched serial. Uh, I've re- I was on the Weetabix for a long time, but I'm recently, as an adult. I've been curious about revisiting um, some cereal, and I have done, and I've fallen in love with it again uh, at Shreddies. I enjoy a Shreddies. Uh, not frosted Shreddies, because I'm still trying to be uh, you know, healthy, but a bowl of Shreddies is a uh, fine bowl of cereal. I've been enjoying the show. That Sometimes even having it for dinner. That's how much I've been enjoying it. I got, uh, what was it? It's from Tesco. It's like their own brand of mini shredded wheats, but they've got a, like a blueberry filling. Oh, that, that sounds alright. Uh, nice, yeah, good. Yeah, I'm still kind of outraged um, by the fact that Special K have axed the honey and oats flavour, but yet the fucking... I like the red fruits. Like, I've not tried the red fruits, so I can't really say much about it, but the, the honey oats, is that was a, that was a, that was such a good flavour, and you go in Asda or you go wherever, and there's every flavour apart from that, and I'm like, man, was I the only, I must have been the only kind of buying it, man, because it was terrible. I, I don't think I've ever tried it. Oh, brilliant! I remember when I, <laughs> I remember when I first like tasted them, and it was because we got promotional packets of them in our old work, and nobody was eating them, so I took them, and they were fucking excellent. I was like, these are brilliant! I just cardboard boxes of these wee promotional packs of Special K honey oats, and I was like, don't know what every's problem is these are amazing. Um, but yeah, um, what else have been up to? Um. Watched a bunch of films, which we'll talk about. Uh, oh, Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, I had the classic. Everything could go. Everything that went wrong did wrong that day. It oh, was unreal. Like oh man, holy shit! It was very much you know. I was ready for crying at the end of the day. So Wednesday, I was kind of apprehensive because I was like, okay, Wednesday it should be. You know, I was going into work. And I was like, I could be an alright shift. Um. It'll, it should be okay. The weather's going to be terrible, which is a problem because we're out and about that day, out walking and stuff like that. And the weather wasn't great. So I was wearing my Vans and they're kind of knackered because I've been doing a lot of walking recently. So my socks and shoes were absolutely soaking and we were out and about most of the day, 
apart from going into a couple of uh, museums. Then after that, uh, right at the end of the day, like you know how you get those fobs for your work, you know your wee, you know, uh, identification badges, um, and then you get the fobs for like opening doors and that. I took mine off and I must have put it in my pocket, and it wiped the fucking screen. Uh, this big magnet because a magnet is the big yeah. black fucking thing and the the, the information was all fu- it looked like a telly just being fucked you know what i mean oh. so i was like shit and that was right at the end of the day i was like you fucking kidding me and i was like, and then i talked to one of my mates in work and he says go up to meet a phones go up to these there's a couple of repair places you can try and they'll do you they'll do it no bother so i went up to a couple of these places and the guy said right your maker phone is a black view which is a chinese phone so the parts and the digitizer and all that are getting sh- they'd have to get shipped from hong kong and both of them says listen mate just buy a new phone yeah. and i was like all right so what i did then was again soaking wet <laughs> phones fucked <laughs> i was like right okay Came back to the house, changed my shoes, changed my socks, researched uh, researched the phone. So I'm like, you know what it's like? I'm like, I need a phone right now because I need an alarm clock. I need phone numbers for work, etc. Because I'd work the next day. It wouldn't have been such a bad thing. I'd been all day to look at a phone next day. But I was like, right, shit, it's five o'clock. I better get my skates on. So I researched a phone, uh, went to Argos, uh, didn't have it. Um, so then uh, I got another one. Uh, I got a Huawei. Is that how you pronounce it? I think it's Huawei. Huawei, yeah, because I was like, right, if this happens again, I should maybe have a phone where the parts will be easier to... Uh... So you picked another Chinese phone. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. I was like, all right, th- at least this one is a bit more of a brand where... Yeah, I think Huawei is like a, black... big, a big enough brand. Yeah, because yeah. uh, whereas Blackview, it's like, what the fuck's that? I don't know who the fuck's that. Exactly. So I'm like, all right, so anyway, I got a Huawei phone. Blackview sounds like... You see, you but you see a Huawei phone on eBay, and that's what you get sent. Um, maybe. Uh, I mean, I got it on Amazon, but there you go. Uh, but yeah, so I went and got a Huawei phone. Um, I was like, okay, this this is alright. It's reasonably priced. It was like ninety quid. I'm like, it's still ninety quid down this sh- shitter, but I need it, so I got it. Like in, the, in the long run, <clears throat> for the money you use it, it's ninety quid man. Yeah. So did that, and then obviously, and I on Sunday. Uh, the Sunday before Wednesday where all this kicked off uh, I was replacing my bus ticket but I had a problem doing that at the petrol station across the road because the pay point the, uh, the pay point machine gave you a weird receipt and a weird ticket that's not the normal one um, and the guy's like if there's any problems just come back and up until Wednesday nobody had a problem with because I had the introduction date when it was to be used I had four weeks that's the expiry date but the expiry date wasn't there but three bus drivers rumbled me saying Right, we'll let you on, but you need to contact customer services or, or get this replaced. So I went back to the petrol station after getting my phone and all that on the Wednesday, and I was stood for forty five minutes in the petrol station again, soaking wet, fucking just absolutely shattered because of the day. Uh, and they managed to print me out a new ticket, but there was no wallets, no first bus wallets. So I'm like, wow, this day just keeps getting better and better. So I got like I just staple on there. It's fine. They won't if they say anything. Just fucking say it. Then look, your the company needs to send out wallets. I went right. I'm sure it'll be all right. So I trudged up the road. This was about holy shit. This was about I don't know. This was coming up to about eight o'clock, ten past eight anyway. And then I still hadn't I hadn't had my dinner and I hadn't had any lunch, which again lunch is my fault. But I didn't want anything at McDonald's. So I came into the house. I was like right here we go. Now if you ever have a Huawei phone. To open the wee SIM 
uh, slot. You have to stick a wee pin in this little tiny fucking I, hole. iPhones are the same. Right. And the wee, the wee things came out. So I got my uh, old um, my old SIM card from my shitty broken phone. Too big. <laughs> the SIM card was too big and I'm like, oh man. And then I spoke to Paco. He's like, oh man, Gifgaff have done a new thing recently with the, the SIM cards. Like They've got three different sizes. So you just kind of you get all three of the sizes, but you must have got an old one. So I'm sitting there, and honestly, I was about to fucking start crying because the day was just so shit. I was tired, I was wet, I was annoyed, everything. And then um, he's like, try the petrol station, maybe they'll have the SIM card. They didn't. The other shop around the corner didn't. But luckily, the not the Govan Superstore, the Govan Superstore, which has been spelt that way for a decade and has changed owners twice, which is incredible. Um, So... I got one from there, came back up, sorted that, and then I had to play my phone for a wee bit, and then I couldn't get it in my contacts. It wouldn't let me. It's like, you have refused permission of this, blah, blah, blah. So I had to figure that out. And then about nine o'clock, I had my dinner, which was a bowl of shreddies because I was so fucking irritated and pissed off. And after that, I was like, watched two episodes Park Parks and Rec with Paco, and I just went in my bed. I'm like, fuck this day. It was a classic. The whole fucking day was against me. It was unreal. Sounds like, sounds like my migraine that I had on Wednesday that stopped us recording. It was a good thing. Oh, <laughs> man, fuck. I know you. when you said that, I was like, shit. Uh, other than that, um, yeah, like, played a lot of Red Dead, watched some films. How's your week been? Oh, it's been all right. I've not really done very much. Um, I went to... Well, it's been, it's been kind of... I think it's been two weeks since we've done a, a podcast. Um, yeah. In that time... Uh, oh yeah, I was at the hospital, got an injection in my knee. Oh yeah, fuck, that sounded painful. Uh, do you know, this is uh, this is the fourth one that I've had now. Uh, for listeners who don't know, I have psoriatic arthritis in my knee. Um, and every few months or so, the, well, varies depending on how bad it is. Mm. Uh, they give you a, a steroid injection. Mm. And it loosens everything up and makes makes me able to walk again properly for a wee while. Mm. Uh, I didn't think I need, needed one when I went in. But right. I didn't think my knee was that bad. Uh, but the guy says, oh, fuck it, we'll do it. I'll give you one just now. Right. Uh, so I'm like, all right, fair it is. And so I'm lying there on this doctor's, t- on this doctor's bed. Right. Uh, breaks on my ankles. Yeah. Uh, and then he's got the student doctor standing behind him with his clipboard like that. All right. And I'm just like, all right, okay. And every time that I've had this done, mm-hmm. uh, they've went in, and it's sore. It sounds it. Like... Like it's straight. It's between like the kneecap and the bone underneath it. So Fuck. It's a very, very Ooh. tight gap to get it in. And like, the second time I've ever got it done... I could feel it scraping the bone. Oh, shit. But this time, he just went, he was in. And I went, oh, shit. And then that was it. And he's like, all right, you're done. Okay. But then I wasn't allowed to walk on it for like two days for it to, well, I wasn't allowed to do anything kind of strenuous. Right. So you were off work for two days. I was off work for two days. I went to just kind of sat in bars and did did what every... Every normal guy of uh, coming up to 39 years old uh, did, which is 
ladies' bed, eat crisps, get stoned, and watch wrestling. Sweet. And, and anime. So. Did it hurt though, or were you just like, no, it doesn't hurt. I just need to rest it. No, it, it doesn't hurt. Um, it was weird though because they, they put a local anaesthetic in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like, that was the the one that I felt going in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so see, by the time that I got home from the hospital, mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't move the bottom half of my leg. Fuck. But uh, I had to actually think about what I was doing, mm. and at times I actually had to kind of pick it up and kind of move it itself, which oh. is which is a weird experience, but not wholly unenjoyable. Right. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means, but all right. Um, it's kind of how I imagine, like you know, that bit in Fear in Las Vegas where they take Efer. Yeah. And he's talking about how. You can feel, you can, you know what you're doing. Aye. You can see what you're doing. Yeah. But you just don't have the control over it. Aye. I believe his I words are set like you, you could, you could see yourself acted like as a, uh, a drunk in an early Irish novel. It's like you could see yourself doing this, but have no control over it. Yeah. To be fair, when they see what they take, it looks the fuck. It looks like the funnest it thing. But I'm like, I, I, I would want to do it a little bit. I don't know where you would get it. That's no. Yeah. Can you buy that over the counter? Uh, probably, but gee, it, again, like, it's insane that every time they do some fucking shit in that film, it looks fun. Well, uh, apart from apart from some of the acid, like when he sees the, the lizard people, that would probably freak you out. Oh, no, that was good to me. Well, seeing lizard people. <laughs> yeah, was, any acid, good acid. Yeah. Mm. We'll take that off for this move. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Aye, so did that. Um, uh, play started playing Spider Man mm-hmm. on PS4. Uh, it's alright. Um, not that, that great. Not that far into it, so I've still to kind of get to grips with it. Uh, I find the combat it's very it's very much like the Batman Arkham games, mm-hmm. but it's a lot faster. Right. Uh, a lot and a lot more kind of movement to it. Right. And I've not quite kind of got to grips with it yet right uh, but as I say I've not played that much of it yeah it looks the nuts it's the kind of thing if I get it I'll have to get rid of Red Dead and I'm not ready to get rid of that yet what else have I done voice a couple of films mm. uh, been working uh, there was something else I've done I can't totally cannot remember what it was right well I know you said you watched uh, a couple of films uh, one of them being you watched Manhunter and then you watched Red Dragon. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, I, I think I'd said on the last podcast I'd picked up Manhunter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched that. Uh, Manhunter, for anybody who doesn't know, is uh, Michael Mann's adaptation of Thomas Harris's Red Dragon. Um, the first of the Hannibal Lecter. Uh, saga. Yeah, yeah. saga's probably best thing to say right now. Yeah. Um, it's, it was made in 1986 stars William Peterson as Will, Will Graham uh, Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter uh, Tom Noonan as Francis Dollarhide aka the Tooth Fairy mm, probably perfect casting Tom Noonan plays creepy really well yeah Tom Noonan is brilliant in that mm. uh, it's very much a 1980s film oh, I it is it's slick it's stylish, the soundtracks, uh, all kind of synth, it's brilliant. Mm. Um, 
I don't know, shall I tell them the story? Do people not know the story of Red Dragon in this I mean, day and age? Well, it's, it's, if you want, you can give uh, a synopsis. Okay. Well, well, Graham's a, an FBI... Um, he's not He's not actually an agent, is he? He's a... Is he not? Oh, no. I know in Red Dragon, I think he's an, he's an agent, but then he's a, not an agent. He's... Right, he, he's kind of formally an agent, right? Um, because he he was uh, the one who caught Hannibal Lecter, mm-hmm. uh, and he's kind of semi-retired, so he's brought in as a consultant. That's it, I um, on this Tooth Fairy case, mm-hmm. uh, and in the process of kind of hunting down Tooth Fairy, uh, right? He's brought in as a consultant because he has this. It's a gift. It's not a supernatural gift. It's um, he's very good at pro- he's very good at profiling um, serial killers mm. because he's somehow able to get into that mindset. Yeah, and kind of that allows him to kind of see what they kind of to kind of work in a way that would allow him to kind of see what they're seeing. Aye, he can kind of put together the pieces. The Aye. Um, so he's brought in Cover the Tooth Fairy and in the process of that he goes and uh, gets a bit of help from Hannibal Lecter which then he's seen by uh, scumbag journalist Freddie Lowndes who uh, puts his picture all over the newspaper and that then kind of brings him into the investigation more mm-hmm. and makes him a target for the Tooth Fairy and turns out Tooth Fairy and, uh, is a big fan of Lecter's Lecter kind of puts him on to uh, Graham's family, so the it's kind of a race against time now mm-hmm. for for them to catch uh, the two fairy. Mm. Uh, Red Dragon is Brett Ratner's version Adaptation, yeah. of Red Dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more of a fan servicey version of it, yeah, because it it takes in. It brings in Anthony Hopkins again, yeah. reprising the role as Hannibal Lecter. Mm. Uh, this time you've got uh, Edward Norton, mm. who phones it in as Will Graham. Yeah, he's, he does. He's horribly miscast. Mm. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is uh, Freddie Lowndes this time. Mm. Um, Ray Fiennes as Francis Dollarhide. Who I think's who good. Is actually, who's the best thing in Red Dragon. Mm. Um so I watched I watched Manhunter first, then I watched Red Dragon the, the next day, just to kind of compare and contrast. Mm. Um, Manhunter is it's a very pared down version of the book. Right. Um, Have you read the book? I haven't read the book, but I, I went into Wikipedia. As, right, right, yeah, yeah. As all good people should do these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a kind of pared down version of the book, mm-hmm. and the folk and man's focus is Will Graham, and it's his film is about showing how Will Graham uh, operates as uh, a profiler, a profiler, mm-hmm. and it's about how Will Graham struggles with this kind of gift because he can see how easy it is to kind of fall into that pattern and fears that he would maybe fall into that pattern. Mm. So it's more about this, almost kind of like Will Graham in the Hannibal TV show. Right. It's about how he is actually this brilliant 
kind of mind which almost gets abused. Does it have that? Because in the, in the TV series, because again, I've seen Manhunter once. I enjoyed it, but I was very much, it is very much an 80s film. Um, but see the character of Will Graham in Manhunter, like, compared to like the TV show, because he's a very fragile person, the the TV show, like, uh, like you know, it's like, he's almost frightened to get into that mindset because it, it right, takes well, a lot see, out of him. In Hannibal TV show, they don't do, they don't do Red Dragon until the, the second yeah. half of season three, mm-hmm. where he's a stronger character by that point yeah, in time. Yeah, right. Um, so, you don't have that aspect. Right, right, <clears> okay. <throat> the reason he's kind of semi-retired is because of while he's, when he was taken down Hannibal Lecter, he was also uh, injured. He was injured by Lecter. Yeah. Uh, so there's that kind of fragile mind state from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got. So the difference, though, to Ratner's Red Dragon is whereas in Man's Red Man's Manhunter, mm-hmm. that's Michael Mann, the mm-hmm. director, his version, um, Hannibal Lecter's. A total side character. Yeah, but he's barely in it. Uh, he's he's a he's kind of a foil mm-hmm. to to Will Graham, but he's yeah. The film is Will Graham's film. It's about him. Mm-hmm. Matt, uh, Red Dragon. It's about Hannibal Lecter. I make it about Hannibal Lecter. Well, yeah. At that point, you'd had Silence of the Lambs, which was an Academy Award winner, got Tony Hopkins the Oscar for the uh, for his portrayal of Hannibal Lecter. Then you had 2001, you had Hannibal, mm. um, which is I thought was quite boring and is a Ridley Scott film as well, which is strange. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so you've got that, and then you it's like, right, if they're going to make Red Dragon, Anthony Hopkins, like that, he's the selling point. It's what we've got, we're bringing yeah. Hannibal Lecter in. Had they recast that, I don't think it would have had as much attention yeah. or nearly as, might, might not have even had the go ahead. Whereas I like, how is Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter? I, I like Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter. He's a bit, he's, he's cold. That there is that kind of coldness to him. Um, he's not. He, there's no empathy to him at all. Mm. Uh, you can see the kind of calculating aspect of him mm. uh, at work. Uh, compared to Hopkins and Red Dragon, who is fucking Tom Lee Jones level of <laughs> hamming it up. Wow. Uh, this is like Batman, Batman Forever. Tom Lee Jones hamming it mm. up. Um, <laughs> Whole tune scenery all over the gaff, uh, to the point where it it feels kind of like a spoof. See, the thing is, up until that point, again, Red Dragon's supposed to be a prequel to Silence of the Labs, and there is a big difference in Hopkins's age, his weight, and his but, performance. Yeah, the the perform the performance that he gives in Red Dragon, just I think I find it quite far removed from. I think yeah I think at that point you get a lot of actors that reach that certain age where it's not that I mean they're they are kind of a movie star and it is that way like even I mean I'm trying to think I mean I I like Anthony Hopkins's movies I I do like him as a as a film star but I'm trying to think of the last time I seen an Anthony Hopkins film where he really really put the effort in like when you watch like The Wolfman he chews the scenery and oh, hams it up. So, but I like the Wolfman. Yeah, he has one of my favorite lines ever. 
You've well, done terrible things, Lawrence. Aye. Terrible things. Yeah, but that, he's, that's what I'm saying. It's, he just, he, ham, he, ham, he hams it up. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Well, a lot of films, wherever you see like, oh, Anthony Hopkins' name, he's usually in some bullshit action film or some bullshit sci-fi supernatural effort. You know, you don't really see him challenging himself. He he, he is very much, Anthony Hopkins is in this because he's going to be Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Or in like Red 2, where yeah. he's just fun, hammy Anthony yeah. Hopkins. I'm pretty sure he's said that he quite likes taking movies that involve going to exotic locations because well, it's a nice holiday. That's why he, he said he had a great time making that Transformers movie. Yeah. And you're like... But just fair enough, he's at that age, he's at that stage of his career, he can do what he wants. He's yeah. going to get paid nice money. Yeah. He doesn't really have to put a lot of effort in. He's got an Academy Award. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's... Yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. It's like, ah, I'm, I'm in my mid-70s or whatever. I can, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, if I'm still in demand, cool, but, you know... It, but don't get me wrong, there's times where I think, and it's easy enough for me to say, because one, I'm not a Hollywood actor, and I'm in my 30s, where I'd like to think that folk, when they reach that certain level, are still going to be giving it some amount of effort. But yeah. I can totally see if the material's not there, or there's not enough depth to the material, and it's just like, listen, this guy wants you for a thing, it's a day's work, This and look at this check. And he's like, ah, all right, I'll do that. Um, but Red Dragon, though, it very much he was he is phoning it in. Yeah. You can see he's not really everybody, trying. Everybody does so. That's the thing. Uh, uh, Harvey Keitel. It, Harvey Keitel is obviously. He's just. He's, he's got nothing whatever. to do. Which is weird because like uh, Harvey Keitel for life me I can't remember the character's name. But Crawford. Crawford. Ah, yeah. he's, he's Jack Crawford, isn't he? Mm. Uh, in Manhunter, he's played by Dennis Farina. Oh, all right, cool. Really good as Jack Crawford. Oh, yeah, um, I can see that. It's just watching them kind of back to back with that. It's, it's kind of weird because you do, you look at the cast of Red Dragon and you think, oh, that should be really good. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's like, it's a, it's a really schlocky B-movie. It's it's an easy blockbuster. I mean, that's why you see like Brett Ratner. Brett Ratner, they never hire him because he is an artiste that yeah. he will make money. And when you're doing a franchise like the Thomas Harris, not like franchise yeah. like Red Dragon, Silence Lamza, Red Dragon, you're like, right, on paper, this will make money. Right, yeah. We've got Ed Norton, we've got Anthony Hopkins. It's a very turn your brain off uh, mystery thriller. Yeah. You know, there's not really, it doesn't have, I don't want to say the smarts, but it doesn't have the coldness that Silence of Lambs has or the it, kind no, of. No, I think you're right, it doesn't have the intelligence no. of it either. No, it's very uh, it, easy. It's, it's, an, it's like a, a Saturday night crowd blockbuster thriller. Yeah, you buy popcorn, yeah. you're entertained by this franchise, yeah. that's it. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not. Silence Lambs, that, I'm not trying to say. Silence Lambs, I wouldn't say, is layered with intelligence. It's a very good story. But it just looks it, as it. It's pieced, it's pieced together very it's well. Pieced it's pieced together better. Folk are. Jodie Foster's great in it. Yeah. Tony Hopkins is good in it. Scott Glenn's good in it. Um, Buffalo Bill, I can't remember the name of the actor who plays him. He's very good in it. But it's a very cold. Even from the opening shot yeah. where she's doing like. Or training the FBI. Like, it's very cold and wet and dark. And that, that kind of goes with the theme of the film because yeah. it is very kind of. Like, I remember when that. I mean, I was like six when that came out, but I just remember like everybody talking about how shocking it was, or it felt shocking. And when you think about it, you don't really see there's not a lot of deaths in it, if I remember correctly. But no, it's just no. the fact that Buffalo Bill is a very strange and controversial yeah. character, especially for that time. But yeah, Red Dragon's an easy film. That's what yeah. you get. Brett Ratner will make you money. It's like I mean, it's just some bullshit blockbuster. Just it's easy. Just ABC. There you go. Yeah. And uh, I. 
Um, I, I, I would recommend if you haven't seen Manhunter, seek it out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I really like Michael Mann's work, certainly of that era. Uh, one of my favourite directors yeah he's got like, he's got a really good run that era mm-hmm. where you've got like Thief is Thief a good mo- movie yeah, with James Caan I always see that like kicking on Netflix yeah, as like so directed by Michael Mann I was like so what the fuck I'm going to watch this and yeah. he, did he not do a horror film as well uh, The Keep yes yeah, The Keep's pretty good as well see yeah because like Michael Mann for me started with Last of the Mohicans uh, and then, then Heat the, I mean, Heat's one of my favourite movies. Heat, Heat's an amazing film. Yeah. So Again, you, if you haven't seen it, uh, if you've got Amazon Prime, Director's Cut of Heat is on there, uh, or just go fucking buy it. It's like six bucks. Yeah, it's arguably the last good time you'll see Pacino and De Niro in a film. Yeah, that is the last time they were both good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got like Heat, and then, I, I mean, even in 2004, I thought Collateral was great. Yeah, Clara's a great film. Yeah, and uh, um, I i mean, I wasn't a big fan of Public Enemies when he kind of... Miami Vice on paper should have been good, but I just think because I of the... St- I still kind of enjoy Miami Vice. I, I understand the flaws that it has, but I still think it's... For me, Miami Vice is like watching... It's like watching... Cops? Al- almost <laughs> like a Ridley Scott film where it's a lot of style over substance. Yeah, but the style is good enough See, that, it, that it passes it through. I like the idea that they're trying. They tried to make it modern, including even modern, te- uh, modern technological approaches to the way they filmed it. Mm. Um, I just it didn't, it didn't sync well with me. I wanted it to because I, as I said, big fan of Michael Mann's work. One of the problems I think with Public Enemies is shooting on digital because yeah. for a film of that era, it would have I think benefited yeah, better on film because film. it does it. There's a juxtaposition of the setting of the film mm-hmm. and the technology being used and the method of filming. It yeah. just it looked as if it was like a real not a reality TV show, but it felt like it was like you're watching a real the way a reality yeah. TV show is filmed and lit and the cameras used. You're like this doesn't look right for a 1930s gangster film or whatever you know. Um, all right. Well, no, I I want to watch Manhunter again because I watched the one time. The only thing I really remember about it, and this is putting it a bit of a disservice, was that I did enjoy it. But the thing that was the pinnacle for me, and it's something that I love about all eighties films, is there's a bit in the film where William Peterson just flat out runs through oh, a window, right. <laughs> and I love that in eighties film right. where windows just the, get smashed the, and everybody's fighting. The, the film's from nineteen eighty six, so I I don't care about really kind of spoiling it. Yeah, but come on. See yeah. that, see that, but right, this is it's kind of like the it's like the, the third act. Um, uh, Francis Dollarhide's got um, his girlfriend, who is played by. I was going to say Julianne Moore, but it's not Julianne Moore. It's a. Uh, oh, it's not Diane Lane. Christ, I'm so mad. Uh, <laughs> come on, people like that. Hey, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, right. Anyway, so we'll come back to you. So he's got his girlfriend who he thinks has uh, cheated on him. So he's going to kill her. Uh, she's also blind. Yeah. Um. So he's kind of got her in the house. And he's kind of cutting about, and he's put on uh, iron butterflies in a Garda de Vida. Oh, belter, of course. Uh, which is a fucking belter tune. It is a belter. 70s psych rock. Yeah. Uh, he's cutting about. He's got his shotgun, uh, and he's got this big painting uh, on his wall. Mm-hmm. 
which at one point he kicks through because it turns out it's a poster uh, and he kicks through on the beat so it was cool as fuck as he kicks through it he's got his gun he looks mental and he's kind of stalking her around the flat and Will Graham's kind of cutting about outside mm. and he sees him through the window and it's a bit in the middle of the song where the kind of the music kind of drifts off and it's just it's kind of kind of quiet kind of right. noodly kind of uh, organ bit right and Aye, Will Graham from fucking it's almost like that bit and uh, is he outside I? yeah he's outside he's in the garden I. He's, he's outside it's kind of like the bit in uh, Monty Python and the Holy in the Holy Grail when he's around the castle and he just never looks like he's getting any closer. Aye. And then suddenly he's there. So Will Graham's tanning it. Yeah. I remember and being a really slow yeah, motion scene. It's a total slow motion run and just as he jumps and he crashes through this window, the guitars crash back on and it's fucking immense and it's brown. And then he gets his pan knocked him. Yeah. Straight. No, he was alright jumping through a window, uh, but uh, it was game. Yeah, no, like again, that's that's a popular thing I loved in eighties movies. Is like you know someone will punch a window, and it's because of the shitty sugar window. Like John Carpenter has it a lot in his films, where just a window smashes, but folk are fine. There's yeah. there's loads of cool shit, but yeah, I just I always remember thinking that was funny as fuck, as well as being tremendously ridiculous. Yeah. But um, one one thing I would say is don't watch the director's cut. Watch the theatrical cut. Okay. Um, the director's cut changes um, the version that you'll get on Blu-ray and which I'd imagine will be the one if you're streaming it as well yeah. uh, of the director's cut um, the scenes that are put in haven't been haven't been kind of transferred mm-hmm. so that they look the same they're kind of still that kind of grainy almost they? like the dailies oh, right, okay. uh, but it also changes a few scenes including the ending and right the ending of the day is not as good. Right. Um, me and Paco always have this kind of... We talk about Back to Red Dragon. Uh, and again, um, uh, Ray Fiennes is great in it. But there's this really weird bit in it. This really weird bit. You know about I'm talking about, right? Because yeah. Paco and me, like... like we're, We've been like pals for like fucking like 13, 14 years. And I remember one time we were just sitting in the flat and we were talking about Red Dragon... And we hadn't really talked about it. And then I'm like, yeah, it's a great movie, man. Really enjoy it. Right. Let me ask you this, right? There's this really weird bit, right, when Ray Fiennes pulls up in his van and he's talking to Samantha Morton and he's like, ride with me. And he says it in a really, really weird way. He's like, uh, he's a fool. Ride with me for my pleasure. You're like, it's because what? he's got the hair lip. It's supposed to be his lips. Yeah, but well, it's, it, it's, that's, that's, the thing, that's the thing with Ray Fiennes' performance in that. Is that he's he's had kind of reconstructive surgery on a on a hair on a, a hair lip, a hair lip. No. but he doesn't really. He's just he's he, all he does is kind of change his voice a wee bit. Whereas Tom Noonan, you believe that that is what's what yeah has happened to but him. Honestly, it's it's the it was just. I'm really and just before I was like, Which there's is, this. That's also not the bit I thought you. Were oh no, because I don't really. I'm mean, I I going to talk about the bit where he eats the painting. That is again like I know that was funny, um, but yeah, no, this is because just for us, I said to Paco, I was like, yeah, man. So there's this bit where Ray finds and he goes, yeah, he pulls up in the van and says it in a really weird way, and it was just a total right fucking moment. Like, so I'm not crazy. I noticed that as well. And a friend in work who really enjoys like sand slams and that, we were talking about it, and like every now and then I walk by and he goes, ride with me, and I'm like, fucking, uh, it's just it's, it's a really strange it's a, it's strange also, bit. It's also because uh, the character. 
uh, which is again is something which is which between the two films is kind of different. Um, Tom Noonan's Francis Dollarhide is a fucking stone cold killer. Mm-hmm. He's he's very apathetic. Um, he doesn't. You don't really. You don't get a backstory to him. Mm-hmm. There's no kind of. Oh, this is why you can't. You don't have any. He's really unsympathetic. Right. Whereas uh, Ray finds his Francis Dollarhide, the which this is I believe is taken from the book. Uh, they kind of go to show you that he was abused as a child. Aye. So this, yeah. so this is kind of how he's kind of got to where he's at. Yeah, he's the product of that. Yeah, right? which I think kind of lessens the impact of him. Okay. Because it kind of makes him just like any other kind of Hollywood kind of serial killer villain that he's got this sad backstory and that's why he's mm. that's why he's kind of mental. Whereas Tom Doonan's just fucking cutting, cutting people up and shooting people in the face. Mm. But is it like Tom, them. Tom Noonan does creepy really well. Yeah. Like he's in a really awesome episode of the X Files where you think like he's like he's a child murderer, and uh, he used to cut out like hearts from the threads of like the yeah. of the children's pajamas, and then Mulder thinks that he might know where his sister is and that. But again, he's so good in it because he's got yeah. this really soft spoken uh, manner and just you're like this guy's a fucking creep. But I bet he's like lovely in real yeah. life. He's also great yeah. as the villain and last action hero. Yes, he fucking is, man. He's great as that guy, man. Um. Well, speaking of remakes and originals, um, this week um, I thought it was to celebrate the the film festival, but it wasn't. It just happens to be that uh, there was a 4D uh, remastered re-release of uh, The Ring. Um, not Ringu, which I thought was. Ringu, I think, is the prequel. No, Ringu <clears throat> is the first one. All right, because it just said ring on the on the board. Yeah, because it'll be that's what it is in English. Mm, I thought it was ringu, but there you go. No, ringu is the first one. Yeah. All right, but yeah, um, I'm very much like I'd seen this once before, but I'd seen it after the 2002 Gore Verbinski remake, which I really enjoyed. Having watched this one, it is far superior. Yeah, I've uh, been telling you that for years, Thomas Vass. Yeah. Um, Great movie, really, really great. I again, it's it's late nineties. Uh, the name of the director escapes me. Uh, is it Hideo? As we say, Hideo Tami. No, Hideo Tami's a wrestler. Um, again, I'll be on IMDb, but I don't have my phone. Well, my phone's there, but anyway. So, right, you look up, and and you can look up the Red Dragon thing that's annoying. uh, The Manhunter thing that's annoying as well. So basically, uh, anybody's seen the Ring or whatever. There's been many a American remake and sequels, and in uh, Japanese sequels, is about um, basically if you come you come into contact with this video and you watch it. Hideo Nakata. There you go. Okay. Hideo Nakata's ring is basically about uh, a video that is circling, and if you watch it uh, in seven days, you will die. Um, um, and the, basically, the the film starts off with these two girls who are discussing the video. One has watched it, and then one dies. And then from then on, the mystery uh, from this uh, from the from the journalist, the main character is try to discover what the mystery of this death was and what the curse of this video is. And that kind of leads on to you finding out what the video's about and what the curse is about and uh, the who the wee lassie that comes out the telly and kills you and what that's about. Um, the, the, the original is 
original's got a better kind of story to it in terms of like who who the wee girl is, where she came from, and uh, what the deal is. And it's a wee bit more kind of supernatural, which I quite enjoy, as opposed to Gore Verbinski's one, where they kind of, I mean, I still like that one, but they kind of have it where the this lassie is just evil and she has some kind of thing about her. Whereas in the Japanese original, it goes into the backstory more of her mum and what her mum suffered and why the, the wee girl is the way she is. Uh, and I think the ending to the original is a lot colder than the, yeah. the remake. Ringu is fucking bleak. It's very bleak. It just ends and I was like, yeah. whoa, that is a bit fucking crazy that this is how we're going to do it. But well, that was good. Well, I, I was gutted because... Yeah, I mean you were that, supposed to be going, yeah. I was supposed to go to that. That was the day that they fucking put the fucking injection money so I could actually go. Because hmm. uh, I'd been looking forward to that. Um, I think, like, the thing I really love about Ringu is that it's so entrenched in kind of Japanese culture yeah. in that like, I, I went to Japan years and years ago mm-hmm. and there's still a fair amount of what seems like superstition? Kind of superstition and kind of tradition based on that superstition Yeah, and that seeps through Ringu uh-huh. um, and makes it seem a lot more believable and it's also it's, it, it doesn't, it's not a film that has a great budget and a lot of the sets are very, it's, it's, very tight, close knit. Yeah, it's um, very 90s. Like you can tell it's yeah. a, a film from the 90s. It's, it's not slick in any way. It's no. Very, it's very, here's, it's, there's no kind of frills to it. Like there's yeah. one, there's only one scene with any real big effects. Mm. And even that is done in a way that looks really believable. Yeah. Uh, that it, it, is, it just oozes kind of creepiness. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ringu's a, a great one. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, man. Um, again, I was sitting there and I was like, this is fantastic. Yeah. And there was that period around about the late 90s, early 2000s, where, you know, J-Horror was where it was at. And you got a lot of, like, American uh, I, remakes. I, I, I J-Horror. You've got, like, like I think it was, like, Dark Water. That was a remake. Yeah. And then The Eye and all that. So there's a lot of, like, Tale of Two Sisters. Um, so there's a lot of, like, I know what you mean. Same as, like, The Grudge as well. Like Juon and that, especially Juon in the Ring, like have that, like you said, that that culture where there's a kind of supernatural, there's a superstition to yeah. it, and it kind of brings you into the film. Whereas yeah. when you get like, especially like the American remake of The Grudge, it doesn't feel as natural as the original. Yeah, because I I still quite enjoy the American remake of The Grudge. I thought it was fine. Um, the second one is t- uh, the second one is not good, and yeah, same as same as. Same as the Ring Two remake, which I believe was made by. Uh, uh, it was a studio in the academy. Yeah, that. and that's not However, good. However, that's a completely different film from the original uh, Ring Two. All oh, right. Ring, I I really like Ring Two. Uh, mm. Ring Two, where Ringu is uh, really kind of supernatural. Mm. Uh, Ring Two really ramps up the mind fuck mm. kind of element of it. Um, it's. I was actually. I was actually looking at this on Amazon the other day. Um, this has been. It's been brought back out because Arrow is releasing a box set, which oh. has the four the four K transfer of Ringu, but also Ring Two, Ring Zero, and its sister film Spiral. Right. Uh, which I'm, I think I'm going to get. Cool. Uh, yeah. I, again, uh, I can. I mean, the, unfortunately, it was only for on for the one night. I think, but it was. It was great. 
and it was packed as well, which was nice because it's always nice to see like oh, this kind of cult favourites can still pack the houses uh, of the multiplexes. Uh, you, you had four seats to yourself, yeah? I did. Uh, <laughs> I did. Uh, Neil did the old uh, booked four seats uh, using other folks' cards, not necessarily thinking other folk will turn up, but the four seats are there for spread out. But uh, it did. was it was packed out, and folk were looking at me. I did, I did that for Captain Marvel, uh, and there was a cunt sitting in the seats, and I was like, mate, read him and read, get fucked. Oh man, I wish I'd done that for Captain Marvel again. Mar- Captain Marvel, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get back. Um, I also rewatched because um, again, been playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption, so I've been kind of going through westerns. I rewatched uh, Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. Why? And Why would you do that to yourself? On second viewing, it was better, but it's still very dull. Yes. It's very boring. I was like, right, I get the fact that you got a lot of old Western films like like the John Wayne John John Wayne either ones of like The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance or even The Searchers where it's they're very they're kinda of long films where not a lot happens but enough is there where it's like a, there's a good mystery to it. And you can see what Tarantino's kinda of done with this where like I mean the whole thing about the hateful eight was a big clusterfuck anyway because he was going to do it, but then a script got leaked and he wasn't going to do it, and then he did it as a stage kind of production, um, and then he decided he was going to make a film for it. And between the time of, we're going to do it as a film, and now we're not, but now we are, you can see that a lot of it feels like a staged effort. Um, it looks as if it, tr- it tries to go for almost like Reservoir Dogs, but a Western, but it's, it, it, I think it's too long. Um, Sergio Leone's soundtrack is excellent, but and it's kind of a crime that that is the only, even though Academy Awards don't mean anything, but that's the only one that he's ever got for his career. That, given, that's the give him something before he dies. Yeah, given that the man is responsible for some of the just yeah. most brilliant soundtracks ever. But anyway, yeah, better, better on second view, but it was still kind of just whatever. I don't think I can bring myself to watch it's, that again. Uh, I just, I watched it and then I was like... um. I, I, I love Walton Goggins uh, in general. I, I like him in everything he's in. I think he's great in this. Um, it's always nice to see Bruce Dern. Jennifer Jason Lee was. It's nice to see her as well. She was decent in it. It just kind of it just drags on and on. And I just I, I, by the end of it, I was like, yeah, that was God. Whatever. You know, I, I don't need to watch this ever again. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself? What else did you watch? Uh, do you watch video drone? I did. I watched uh, again. It was a a Blu-ray I'd bought in a, an Arrow Video sale year, not years ago because mm-hmm. that's a total lie. Months ago, and it sat on my shelf for ages. I bought that and Shivers at the same time. I've still it? watched Shivers. Is that the that's Cronenberg? Cronenberg, yeah. Aye. It was like two, it was like they were both a fiver, so I thought, fuck it, let's get them. Uh, so I watched Video Drone. Video Drone is David Cronenberg's. Um, how, how would you say it? It's his take on uh, the media and how <clears throat> how uh, media kind of normalizes the concept of violence and sex, mm. and uh, it kind of argue well, it doesn't argue for or against because there are arguments in the film for both of. Is, is the media responsible for kind of the breakdown in moral values mm. or are is the media just giving people what they want 
and that giving them a safer outlet for these things. Right, so <coughs> give us, I mean, so give us a synopsis. Synopsis is James Woods, uh, James Woods runs a, a small network in Toronto uh, for kind of 90s kids. Uh, think Bravo on Sky, that kind of thing, uh, where it's all a lot of kind of uh, shock value shows, softcore porn, uh, kind of late night Channel 5 type stuff, shitty action, tits and ass, that kind of stuff. Bravo was a godhead. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a team year there. Sure was, carry on. Uh, uh, and one of these techs who, who kind of he's in kind of league with uh, to search out kind of new shows mm-hmm. by kind of pirate kind of linking into satellites and pirating off other satellites shows them this video which is called Videodrome and all it is is basically a woman getting tortured in this one room and this kind of snowballs into him uh, trying to find out what this is where it comes from how we can get a hold of it and how we can put it on his network because this is a shock value show which will get them the ratings that they need as the next step in entertainment. Mm -hmm. Uh, So through this show, he he comes into contact with... uh, um, Debbie Hardy? No, 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 no. He comes into contact with the daughter of a guy called Brian Oblivion. That's right. uh, Which is a fucking amazing name for a guy. It sure is. uh, Who is like, he's almost like, he's like a priest, but of, he's a kind of evangelist. Evangelist, that's right. Television. Yeah. That he thinks television is the the future of how people will communicate. Yeah. The new Uh, church. Yeah, essentially it's the new church. Yeah. Um, so he also, whilst being on this panel show with Brian Oblivion, meets Debbie Harry, who's a radio DJ, uh, who turns out she's into like SM and kind of stuff like that, and he gets he gets involved with her mm-hmm. and uh, kind of forms this relationship. He shows her video drone. Uh, she wants to go on it, uh, and eventually they find out who's making it what's happening mm. is it real is it not real mm. is it messing with his mind is he seeing things it all goes very Cronenberg let's put it that way without mm-hmm. spoiling it yeah fucking watch this movie that's a great if movie if you have not seen Videodrome Videodrome is probably it was an, I think it was an important film when it was first made. Certainly for this time, aye. For this Look time. at where we're at. Mm-hmm. But it's just as important now mm-hmm. in the age of social media and YouTube. Yeah, multimedia, and, yeah. And what we have access to on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like modern day is closer to mm-hmm. what that is. Yep. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, Woods, Woods is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh he brings this kind of nervous tension to every scene he's in. He kind of, he almost kind of cuts about, almost like a kind of junkie to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Once he gets kind of hooked into this video drama aspect, and then when things go tits up, he just he really kind of he doesn't ham it up. Mm. He brings an actual serious. He brings serious kind of mm-hmm. um, kind of a 
emotion to what's actually happening and it makes the weirder stuff yeah seem perfectly normal in the context of the story mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a solid solid 80s effort and yeah. it, it it looks good mm-hmm. it, the soundtrack's really good um it just uh, yeah it's just it's yeah it's Mm-hmm. Uh, that and probably the fly are probably Cronenberg's best. Yeah, they're they're, they're up there, man. Like I, I do love the fly, uh, and I do. Have you seen the Brood? Yeah, Brood. I do love that filming. That's good. But yeah, Videodrome. I haven't seen it in a while. I've seen it a couple of times though, and I've always yeah, you always come away with it like really enjoying it yeah. because it is it like you said, it looks good. It kind of knows what it's wanting to do, yeah. and it, and every and it, it it works really well in it, what it, it, what it's trying to say. It, it has a point to make, and it makes it well. Yeah, uh, and it doesn't really it doesn't labour it. Uh, it doesn't kind of get. It doesn't go on its high horse about it. No, it offers up. It offers up ideas, and it offers up the arguments for and against. Yeah, and it does it in a fair and balanced way. But with body horror, yeah, no, no, yeah, like I mean, that's it. Cronenberg is like very much an author. I mean, even like The Fly, a lot of folk were saying, well, that was him, uh, and that was him at the time. Obviously, it was AIDS, but showing like you know the deterioration of like disease and yeah. what it is doing can do to the human race and whatnot. And at that time, it was AIDS, <clears throat> given that like that was a very scary time. No one knew what it was and what it was doing to people, etc. Um, but yeah, man, I, I really enjoy Videodrome. Um, I could maybe throw that on at some point as well. Um, in terms of, like, you watched uh, Behind the Curve. I did, yeah. On um, Netflix. Netflix. I don't know, well, it's a couple of weeks old now, Behind mm-hmm. the Curve. Uh, I don't really have too much to say about it because it's a documentary about flat earthers other than give it a watch. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Uh, with an equal amount of fuck's sake, how do these people exist? And why, how can we not get rid of it? Yeah, like, man, I will watch the rest of it, but I, I remember coming home from a shift and just being a bit tired. And I remember you saying you should watch this. It's, it's funny as fuck. And it, I, it, I sat... It's kind of interesting because even though, it, although it's about flat earthers mm. and flat earth theory, there's about, there's kind of a, a kind of secondary kind of, kind of, thing about it which is as much about the cult of personality as mm-hmm. well and how YouTube has created um, communities, these, these and, communities and kind of figureheads at the, mm. at the forefront of these communities Yeah, what, and how that then spreads into kind of mainstream culture yeah it's yeah like I mean I watched I think it was about in total about eight or nine minutes of it and I just I was not in the mood to watch it because I was I was not in the mood to watch people talk shite, um. And yes, well, that's just my opinion. But watching it, I just think any kind of sensible person can watch that and know. Again, I've only watched the first nine minutes, but the the two people that you first see, one really loves his own celebrity. He has his own T-shirt that says "I am" and it's got his name so that he can be recognised. And he brags a lot about how oh I was recognised here and I was recognised there. I'm all you know. He he really enjoys the celebrity of that he is this kind of sensation in this movement. Mm-hmm. And then 
the second person that you come across is someone who's religious. And I'm like, well, they're, the fucking argument's yeah. out the window now because once you start talking about how the Earth yeah. is more than 2,000 years old and it's like this, that, and the other, it like the first guy as well, the guy's obsessed with celebrity, where he describes what Earth is, it's just Teddy Pratchett's Discworld without the fucking yeah. sea turtle. And you're like, this is nonsense. I was like, you can't be serious. That you, you, and he does talk about how he's into yeah. like his sci-fi and his, he's into all this shit. And I was like, I, you're just picking and choosing all this shit to support the fact that you are that you in your own way are famous. Yeah. It's, it's quite good because they actually speak to actual proper scientists. Oh yeah, uh, they, they, so, so there's yeah. a kind of balance to it. Yeah, and the, you get that kind of they kind of go into how a lot of these kind of fringe groups will pick and choose. Mm-hmm. It's the same with like anti-vaxxers. Oh, uh, they pick and Christ. choose information, data, which supports, supports them. Yeah. Uh, to the point where there's a hilarious bit where one of these kind of, one of these flat earthers, um, there's like a kind of fringe group within them who are former kind of scientists themselves and uh, like engineers and stuff like that Jesus. so they're doing experiments to try and prove their theory and they talk about this this experiment they did where they bought this gyroscope which cost like $2,500 so like the best gyroscope you can buy mm-hmm. because uh, their theory is that if the earth is if the earth is curved uh, as it rotates it'd be a 15 degree shift every hour mm-hmm. Um so this gyroscope will test that. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> 15 degree shift every hour. Yeah. And so they're like, oh no, that can't be. So they put it in this box and it's like, oh fuck, no, 15%. So they put yeah. it in another fucking type of box which should stop yeah. all kind of atmospheric pressure and things like yeah. that. So it should be the cleanest thing. Oh wait, no, still 15. So it's fucking round, you stupid. And bit. then it's like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Is that what they say? Oh, that's interesting. No, no, that's that's the next experiment at oh. the end. All right, what's, which what's also that? Also disproves our theory. No, no, I'm not going to tell you that one. Watch it because that all guy, right. that guy's worth watching. Because yeah. it's like you've done going all this hassle, and it's a fucking hassle what yeah. he's doing. It's like you just proved yourself wrong. Sweet, I will watch it. I'm, I can, I, I think I could muster that kind of thing just now. Um, I also again. <laughs> In terms of documentaries, I'm not doing too well this week. Uh, I watched a little bit of, uh, I think, the documentary everybody is talking around the about around the water cooler and on the internet, and that was uh, the Finding Neverland uh, documentary that was released in two parts on Channel Four. I think it was Tuesday, Wednesday, or Wednesday, Thursday. Um, I watched fifteen twenty minutes, I think it was, of the first part of it, and again. I just wasn't in the mood to watch it because it was very unnerving. But basically, Finding Neverland is a documentary really since come out that tells of uh, Wade Robson and this other guy who basically claim I can't remember the other. What was the other guy? Uh, I, I honestly can't remember. It's something. Not something's not Fairchild or well, anyway. Anyway, so there's two folk that basically have came out and said who used to. They basically were fans of Michael Jackson. Uh, they befriended him, the family befriended him, uh, they got close to him, but basically they're now saying um, that he sexually molested them for seven years. Uh, as I said, only watched the first half hour, so I only really got to know one of the guys who basically is this guy who won a dance contest, um, was invited on stage uh, during the bad tour, befriended the family, um, and the, the documentary leans in heavy on the fact that 
So much so uh, on the fact that Jackson, without question, was a paedophile and did do these things. Um, as a result, a lot of radio stations have pulled his music. Uh, they're refusing to play it. Um, it sparked protests with folks saying that, um, that these people that are involved are um, doing it for the money. Why, haven't, why did they come out just now? Uh, Jackson died in 2009. He's not here to defend himself. Louis Theroux says that it's unquestionable now that he absolutely was a paedophile and he did that. Um, and he can't understand why folk wouldn't uh, don't see that now. From what I've seen in the documentary and from what I've like read about what folk have said about it, there, there are arguments in two points. Because when, as I said, when you watch it, it's a very disturbing watch knowing that what this guy is saying and what he's claimed that Jackson did and that this happened, that is pretty disgusting. Um, and then there's the thing about when Jackson was uh, acquitted uh, from it. Uh, I think it was Wade Robinson uh, gave evidence to say that no, he no, he didn't do any of that. Um, and this was back in two thousand five. So um, there's a lot of it's it's definitely it's the topic of the week for a lot of people. It's a very as I said, I've not watched it. The rest of it, um, I don't know. It's not that I don't know if I can. It's one of those efforts where I don't know if you can really ever be in a mood, the right mood yeah, to watch it. As I said, it's a very the, the topic is very disturbing, um, and I don't know. Like it's it's it is there's a lot of kind of there's a lot of things going on about it. Um, but even my my mate said to me, he's like, "What do you think about it?" And I says, "Well, I've not seen all the documentary. Um, it's a it's a it's something that has tarnished this man's legacy for years. I mean, he's he's all we always we always knew he was a bit weird. He he was, there was allegations. Uh, he went to court for it. This is new allegations. He's not here to defend himself anymore. It's it's a really strange one. But yeah, um, no doubt a lot of folk have been uh, have have opinions on it. Have watched it. Um, I don't know if I'll go back to it, but I'll definitely go back to uh, Beyond the Curve because. Uh, that doesn't sound disturbing. It more just laughing at. Behind, uh, the, behind the curve is about ninety minutes of just sitting there going, eh, yeah, idiots. Yeah. Um, I rewatched again. I just happened to. I rewatched the Godfather trilogy. Um, I stuck on the first one. I just felt like watching it, and I was just like, "This is fucking incredible." And then, as a result of watching the first one, immediately I stuck the second one on. Watched like half of that and then watched the second half and then stuck on uh, the third one. Um, yeah. And regretted it. <laughs> no, like, th- this is it. Like, again, I watched it and I've always been, like, more sympathetic to The Godfather Part the 3. Godfather 3 is alright. It's just, I think, and the reason everybody hates The Godfather, the reason that everybody doesn't like The Godfather Part 3 is because it's just nowhere near as good as Part 2 and Part 1. Yeah. I mean, that's it. I mean, Godfather, I mean, there's not really much else to say because, I mean, the films are well known. Um, but yeah, Godfather Part 1 is a very, very... Both Godfather Part 1 and 2. 2 is probably the best. Yeah. 2 successfully merges a sequel and prequel together seamlessly and it's really well done. The character arc of Michael Corleone is a very interesting one and the fact that it's just like this family drama with Shakespeare overtones all the way through it. Uh, really good. Godfather Part 3 is let down by a lot of things. One of them being the casting of Sofia Coppola uh, as uh, Pacino's daughter Mary because a lot of the film's crux is on the fact that Mary is head of the Vito Corleone Foundation um, but she's also in love with her half-cousin, uh, sorry, her first cousin? First cousin, first cousin yeah, who is uh, Sonny Corleone's uh, bastard son. 
uh, played by Andy Garcia. Played Andy Garcia is very good in it, um, but again, there's no chemistry between them, and Coppola can't act. Yeah, she's rotten. She yeah, exactly. Rotten. She she can't act. She's always got this kind of doughy eyed expression where she doesn't she doesn't really know what she's doing, or and you don't believe what she's saying, and th- that lets a lot and that lets a lot of the film down. But See, yeah, that, that was originally supposed to be Winona Ryder. Yeah. Was that the t- was that around the time where she was getting done for like shoplifting and stuff? No, this was uh, eighty nine. This was like just after Beetlejuice and all that. Mm-hmm. So she was like a hot commodity, but I think she left uh, at the last minute, and then Sofia Coppola was brought in. Eighty nine. Eighty nine, ninety, something like that. Yeah, and uh, as a, a, the, the actual plot of it is actually very interesting because. It's the trilogy's bookending the, the the story of Michael Corleone, and a lot of folk don't like the ending, but I really like the ending because yeah, like the ending. Corleone, like the theme throughout the Godfather Part Three, is like Michael Corleone's an old guy, and he's trying to legitimize the family, and he's done nothing. He's tried to do everything for his family, and it, again, it very much uh, by the end of the film, everything this man has chosen to do his life kind of like it kind of everything falls apart on him, and the very last shot of the film I think is excellent where you again spoiler alert but I mean it's been out for ages where you actually just see Michael Corleone die mm-hmm. in a vineyard by himself with a wee dog he doesn't have his family around him nobody remembers him nobody cares about him and it just means like everything that he did was for nothing yeah. and I was like that's great I thought it was a really really great end to the film uh, all in all I think it's a, yeah this, the third one is, is, is hard to swallow a, a lot of the time but it is still very decent um, but part one and two are absolutely tr- tremendous. So that brings us on to the more recent films that we watched. Well, I'll, oh, I'll quickly jump in because I watched. Right. Uh, I got. Um, I decided to try a premium subscription of Crunchyroll, uh, the anime. Uh, yeah, Paco watches that. Because yeah. um, I've been wanting to watch uh, this anime series for a while called Laid Back Camp. Right. Which I'd heard a lot about. Um, now, bear with me. Laid Back Camp is about four high school girls. Right? Of course. It's uh, anime. It's anime. Um, there's no fan service. There's no sleaziness. They're just four high school girls who love camping. Like, going camping. Being outdoors. Is that it? Yeah. And all they do is... Uh, there's like there's they go a, camping right there's there's uh, the, there's the two that run the school outdoor club mm-hmm. there's the new girl in town who goes camping this one time and gets dead into it and there's the lo- the kind of loner girl who they all want to join the outdoor club mm-hmm. but she kind of a bit standoffish about it right. and it's just about how and go all in their kind of separate wee worlds kind of come together by the end of like the 12 episodes and they're the, become the outdoor club and all they do is they go camping they eat food they become they're, they're all just super pals and they're just all dead nice to each other and they meet all these random people who are all dead nice to each other and they cut up the woods and take pictures and stuff um, there's a voiceover um, kind of narrator guy who kind of the kind of stuff that they do when they're camping like uh, 
uh, the equipment that they buy and they, they're like, testing their equipment. Build fires tell, that. tell you what they're doing and why they're doing it and how it teaches you about camping, teaches you about... Well, there's a scene uh, about eight episodes in where uh, one of them has met this other camper in the woods um, and he's been cooking a steak on a skillet. So she buys a skillet because this is the best steak she's ever had. So it teaches you how to season a pan. Uh, which is something they don't even teach in catering college anymore. Why not? Just don't, because nobody does it anymore. All right. Because uh, nobody fucker uses skillets. All right. <coughs> well, and it's just, it's just really nice. It's rela- It's just really relaxing. It's like twenty minutes long episodes. It's got really nice music, kind of Johnny along music. And Paco probably like that. Yeah, it's like it's just, it's like there's no drama to. It. It's just... Well, it might rain, no? Fuck. No. Nah, All right. Because, fuck it, you're outside in a tent. Why not? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just... For everything... For the way that the world is such a shit place these days... It's nice to see you. 20 minutes. Perfect antidote to everything that's going on. You just sit there and go, hey. Bit of positivity. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, I, I get that. I get that. I I don't think I'd watch that, but I under I, I understand the appeal of. It's nice to see folk just being happy. I I put the the, the first episodes on YouTube. Just right. search laid back camp. Uh, if you don't like it, you don't like it. It's a, it's it's literally just a slice of life anime. Right. Okay. Uh, does that are we gonna talk about Serenity? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I will preface this with mm-hmm. uh, I took I took on. Uh, see, we don't have Sky Movies in the house. Right. So, I got a an offer via email. Do you buy it? No, no, no. I didn't buy it. Uh, I got now a now TV subscription. All right. Uh, two months of movies for a pound each month for two pound. Uh, Fair enough. Purely so I could watch this nonsense. Oh man! Right, so and I was not disappointed. Yeah, so Serenity is—it's not obviously—it's not the—it's not the popular uh, spin-off movie from Firefly. This is Serenity twenty nineteen, starring Matthew McConaughey and Hathaway. Um, oh fuck! Uh, Jason Clark. J- Jason Clark. The fucking gargoyle, Jason. Yeah, Clark. Jason Clark. And Dijon Honsu, I know it's 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 incredible. But basically, this this film, there was trailers for it, there was cinema posters for it, and it was in the cinema, but it got pulled very fucking quickly because it was getting terrible reviews. This this is the thing that I wanted to wanted to kind of look into, but Mm. I never ever did. Was the only time I ever saw advertised in a cinema in Glasgow was. one showing with a Q&A as part of Glasgow Film Festival. Right. And then suddenly it was on Sky like a week later. I remember seeing like, yeah, it was, I remember seeing the trailer for it thinking it looked shit. Yeah, um, the trailer looked garbage. Yeah, and because it, it did say like a Sky Cinema Presents, so they must have just fucking took it at like... Yeah, I don't remember seeing Sky Cinema Neither did I. Neither did I, but I'm pretty sure it says it in the film. <clears throat> it, do, it does in the film. Yeah, so again, so it's quite kind of, you're like, oh well, what's the big, I mean this has got... Uh, it's directed by Stephen Knight, and it's like okay, there's there's a there's a there's quite a lot. I didn't realize that Stephen Knight co-created Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I didn't know that either. Uh, I think he, I know that he directed uh, Pacific Rim, or no, was that Stephen? No, was no, it, it was Pacific Knight. Uprising? 
He directed uh, that film Locke with Tom Hardy. And I think he was involved. He's involved with Peaky Blinders. I think he's a either yeah, showrunner he, he, or, or writer. Done, he's done a few episodes of that. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So the trailer didn't really give away much. That the trailer, the the synopsis of the film is Matthew McConaughey lives on uh, this island, Plymouth. He's a fisherman, uh, and Dijon Honsu is like his first mate. And he's obsessively trying to catch this fish. Um, and every now and then he kind of has this reflective moment about how he misses his son. Um, and then Anne Hathaway rolls into the picture and uh, who used to be going out with Matthew McConaughey. It's his ex-wife. Sorry, is his ex-wife, mother of his child. And she says that she made the wrong decision and that Jason Clark's a bastard and that you, you should kill him and I'll give you money. Take him out of the scene, just dump him and you know, we can be together and I'll give you money for it and it'll be the in the benefit of your son. So that's the kind of film's brief synopsis. That's what you're kind of given. But as we were told, there is supposed to be a batshit fucking plot twist to it, which is why I want to watch it. Because I'm like, okay, this film has done fuck all money. It's in trouble. It's got a lot of folk in it. But this twist seems to, or this reveal seems to be the the... The, the thing that sinks it which isn't true the film's shit from the get-go yeah it's garbage um mcconaughey is it's like a crappy ahab searching for his moby dick dijmon honsu is all right because he's just there he's just there he just kind of gets involved anne hathaway i think thinks that she's in a hitchcock film she's like fucking grace kelly yeah. she's really and she chews the scenery up till there's fucking nothing left jason clark is awful in it awful as yeah, he's bad. Um, but, so yeah, so the synopsis is what it is. But the, this big plot reveal, I figured it pretty quickly because it does that thing where it leaves enough bread, it leaves you enough breadcrumbs where it gives you information to what might happen. Like, it kind of foreshadows it a wee bit. And if you're not looking for it, it's easy to miss. But once, once I kind of figured it out, I was like, wait a minute. And then when it actually See, happened, I was like, this is no way going to be the reveal. And from what I and what I thought it was, it totally was the reveal. See, I, I kind of figured aspects of it. Yeah. Uh, and I was kind of getting to it. And I thought, no, you can't do that because it would make absolutely everything that happens from this point null and void. Yeah. And <clears> it, yeah, and it does... Um, Again, I don't know. I mean, we could do we could just spoil the reveal, or I could tell you the film is a mix of the Truman Show meets Tron meets a rock star game. <laughs> yeah, actually, that that is a, a a fair and accurate description. I'll give it like so that, that yeah, that's yeah. so just because you might want well to watch it, but once you know the reveal. You're already kind of involved in this car crash of an effort, and it really is a car crash of a film. Um, and once it kind of works it out, you don't really know what the story or what what it's actually supposed to be saying to the audience, because on one hand, it kind of says murder's all right if this is the case, and it is all right to fantasize and get in, and and lose yourself yeah, in the, this. The, the ending. It's the ending of that film totally goes. Yeah, murder people who are bad to you. Yeah, and it's okay to be stuck in the fantasy. And the way the film kind of goes with it, it gives you an almost happy... It gives you this happy, uplifting ending yeah. where you're like, well, wait which a minute. Which also makes no sense because... Oh, God. Of the reveal. Yeah. 
like, yeah. it, the, the, it's weird because it's hard to kind of talk about this film without really kind of giving away the reveal because the reveal really does nullify everything that's happened before it and then everything that happens against it uh, after it just wouldn't happen because yeah. of what the reveal is. Yeah. Um, I, I would say listeners, uh, I mean, we said this, uh, if, you, if you're involved in Twitter or Facebook, please message us your thoughts on this because we don't really want to reveal it because part of the reason, I mean, this is the thing. I didn't hate this film. I really didn't. Oh no! I I kind of I kind of I thought that I mean for a while I thought it was a comedy or some kind of parody spoof or whatever. I didn't hate it, but it is shit. It's very shit. It, it's the worst Matthew McConaughey's been in a long, long time. Oh yeah. This is in like you're talking Ghost of Girlfriend past. Yeah, like totally. It's again. Uh, He's full uh, bongos. Aye, and it's Anne Hath. I said Anne Hathaway is fucking. I, I do you know. I kind of like Anne Hathaway in it. Because she's, yeah, it's just so utterly ridiculous. Yeah, but again, it's just you're, like apparently this was a passion project. Like they, like they were all super involved. And the thing is, and on paper, this film doesn't. Aye. I don't know how Bob the fuck. Bob was super involved. Yeah, he, yeah, Matthew McConaughey must have been, you know, taking in some recreational um, activities whilst reading this uh, script. Because I honestly don't know how. Any of the talent involved, apart from Jason Clark, because he'll take anything, wanted to be involved in this film because it's not like it's an adaptation. This is an original idea from Stephen Knight, and you're like, yeah, how on paper? Why? How many drafts did I, you do this? Right, I think, I think Stephen Knight has looked at Black Mirror and went, oh, I can maybe do that. Yeah, but it, it totally doesn't come across as that. It come across as some kind of fucking daft comedy, like a parody. Um, yeah. Um, oh, there's not really I, much I, else I, to I can, say about I can, it. I can see this becoming a cult film. Oh, I. Like the kind of late night after a few cans kind of thing. Yeah, not quite the room it. cult, but it might get its own wee following. That's a that's a that's a conversation for another time. I, I know. I I know what you mean. I'm fed up having, I, I know. So um, Jason, don't at me. <laughs> um, <laughs> you will now. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. Um. So <laughs> that there's not really much else to say, Serenity. Watch it and expect the ridiculous. Yeah, um, it's just it's sheer dumb. It's it's weirdly fun, but you're kind of questioning yourself of why you're enjoying it. Yeah, it is a total car crash. Yeah. Um, but that brings us swiftly to the film of the week, and that is a film I know Neil has been looking forward to a lot. Yeah, I've been jazz balled about this. Um, and that is the latest uh, addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Captain Marvel, starring Brie Larson, Samuel Jackson, Annette Bening, uh, Ben Mendelsohn. I mean, there's there's a fucking ton of people in yeah, There's a lot of people in this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Neil, well, give us a wee synopsis of Captain Marvel. Where are okay. we at? Where are we at? We're, at? we're just after Avengers Endgame, so where are we now? Well, we're back in time to the 1990s. 1995, to be exact. Yeah. Um, right. Captain Marvel, for people that don't know, is uh, 
a Marvel Marvel Comics superhero Carol Danvers. Um, she gets her powers from. Oh no! Well, all right. Hey, hold on. Okay, right. I was about to go into the comics lore there, mm. but I forget that will spoil certain aspects of the film. Yeah. Right. So, for the purposes of the film, mm-hmm. Veer is a Cree soldier mm-hmm. uh, played by Brie Larson, mm-hmm. um, who goes on a mission to rescue uh, an operative from uh, a deep cover scroll uh, mission to infiltrate the scrolls mm-hmm. who are shape-shifting aliens who the Kree hate yeah. and are trying to wipe out. Mm-hmm. It's a war that's been going on for years uh, and they see no end. So Veer gets caught. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scrolls <laughs> try and go through our memories to get information because they're looking for uh, a scientist on Earth. Uh, well, just and, a scientist uh, in general. And coordinates. Uh, the, uh, and the coordinates of their lab because this scientist has discovered faster than light travel, mm-hmm. which we're told if the scrolls get, they will infiltrate every galaxy and take over. And wipe them out, yeah. So, uh, in the process of this, uh, Veer escapes and crash lands on Earth, where this uh, scientist supposedly is, mm-hmm. and wackiness ensues. Yeah. Um, a de-aged uh, Samuel Jackson... Uh, Which I'd like to I'll just kind of point out that we've seen a lot of films where actors get de-aged. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the most notable one up to this point is uh, Tron Legacy mm-hmm. and Jeff Bridges. With Tron Legacy... You look at Jeff Bridges' character and that and go, yeah, you're computer de-aged. Yeah, which you was know, nine years, it's nine years old. Nine years old. Mm-hmm. Technology is now at the point where you see Samuel L. Jackson go once and go, it's ah, a young Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. And then you don't ever think about it ever again. No, at it, no point does it look so dodgy. Natural. Yeah, same as Coulson. Yeah, I had Coulson as well. Yeah. Um, and it was nice to see Coulson again. Yeah, yeah, it was nice to see him yeah. back. Um, but yeah, they, they bump it, uh, Veer bumps into S.H.I.E.L.D., um, she explains again. She doesn't even hide it. She explains who yeah. she is, what she's doing there, and Shield have now kind of first came came into contact with her first uh, extraterrestrial mm-hmm. uh, being a threat or whatever they want to call it. But yeah, so like you said, so you've got Veer's um, a, a, a colleagues, uh, Jude Law and uh, the, the other oh, team. Colleagues, enough, yeah. Yeah, or yeah, the member of her team are looking for her while she is now trying to find all the Skrull who are on Earth and basically stop them from doing all the badness. Yeah. Uh, but, but meanwhile, because they've been in our head, they've kind of unlocked memories. Yeah. Uh, so it's also it's kind of hard trying to find out. Who she is? Yeah, because what the point of her is? Yeah, she's been part of that team for like six years, but her her memory's very hazy, mm-hmm. and she has uh, superhero powers. And again, it 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 does a really good job of giving you enough pieces of that, and it just kind of naturally comes comes into play when you know she kind of figures out who she is and whatnot. Um, as a Marvel film, I thought it was very entertaining. Yeah. Uh, very enjoyable. Um, I thought. I mean, I said this to Neil. Um, I mean, there's been many a discussion of 
what's going to happen in Avengers Endgame Part 2. Uh, my theory is uh, Cap America will die and Captain Marvel will become will be in charge of the Avengers. Um, I think Captain Marvel and Cap America's kind of journeys as people um, I think are very kind of well-mirrored, especially in, uh, with Captain Marvel. You've got someone who's out of time and out of place, um, kind of... Is try is try to kind of figure out what their place is in the world, yeah. but ultimately is like try is try to be good and do the do what they can the good for the people yeah. amongst them. So there's a nice kind of mirror of those two characters and Brie Larson. I mean, uh, Captain Marvel is a very likable person. She's a badass. She's very cool. She's sarcastic. Her and Nick Fury have a lot of really fun conversations. Com- uh, back and forths uh, as she does with Ben Mendelsohn's character Ben, ben Mendelsohn's brilliant in this I, yeah but I, I really like Ben Mendelsohn I, like, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I really love him as Krennic in yeah. Rogue One because he's so petty and mm-hmm. just he's such a snivelling wee dick and no. this he's at, he's really likeable he's really funny yeah. mm-hmm. um, he's there's a warmth to him and it's, a, it's such a polar opposite kind of character. Yeah. That it, shows, it just shows he's got kind of great range. Yeah, no, he's very good in it. Um, but in saying that, everyone's good in it. Nick, yeah. um, Samuel it's, Jackson. It's, it's, probably, it's probably the best Samuel Jackson has been in a while. Yeah, because I mean, usually Nick Fury will be like, Nick Fury pops up in the films. He yeah. is super spy Nick Fury, where this is him stripped back to yeah, when he is just a guy. I mean, he's working for the agency, but he's. A very different Nick Fury yeah. to what we've seen in the uh, so far in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um. But yeah, I mean, we've kind of given the synopsis, but I I thought it was very entertaining. Um, some of the action scenes were pretty cool. Do you know there's uh, and this bit's in the trailer, so it's not mm-hmm. uh, spoiling anything. There's a bit in the kind of the third act where she there's a whole thing like you see at the start of the film where she's got powers yeah like the kind of photon blast stuff mm-hmm. and they kind of go on about how she can't control it and stuff so you get to the point in this third act where she's kind of understanding herself and how to control it yeah and having the confidence to do it and she goes fucking super saiyan and just kami has everybody and it's yeah. fucking amazing yeah that is jazz ball with that yeah happening. it's like one of the best superman pieces without it being Superman, yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah. Uh, but again, I think Paco said it as well. He says, I feel sorry because when folk think about like DC so far in terms of what they've done as a success is a female-driven superhero film. Now that Captain Marvel is out, it's completely yeah. overshadowed it. It's like, it's it's far superior to Wonder Woman. Oh, it's far superior. Look, Wonder Woman, and I'm not going to go in-depth into no, 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 no. Wonder Woman. I think Wonder Woman is a, is, has a very good two act the third act is terrible but within those good two acts there's a lot of kind of comedy which I, I don't think lands mm. whereas I find in Captain Marvel although some of the jokes maybe a wee bit kind of laboured to get to the point mm. I think they, they all land yeah um, I stayed for the mid credit sequence which was good it was fine it's uh, it's the one you need to watch yeah, you uh, don't need to stay for, for the last one. I didn't see the last one um, because I couldn't be bothered because 
Um, it was a very busy screen, and there was people next to me that were annoying me. Um, and I, you're always so impatient to get out because you always need to go to the toilet. Uh, I either need to go to the toilet, or I just don't. I just I don't like being sat in this. I I kind of want to get to the front door before, or sorry, get to the door before everyone else because I can't be arsed. I, I don't really. I feel uncomfortable being in a giant room full of people. Uh, I get kind of almost claustrophobic. Did you watch it online? No, but I. The thing is, I said to Paco, I says right. I didn't watch the very last bit because I know apparently it's a funny wee bit. But let me ask you, is it this? And he went, yes. And I went, thought so. And I was like, all right. It's a funny enough wee scene, but it's... It felt like the... when when I was like, right, we've got the Avengers bit and then this next one is kind of going to be like the very last uh, credit sequence in Ant-Man and the Wasp in which I didn't need to see that. It's like, whatever. It's a fun joke. Uh, yeah, all in all, great, good. We set up to Avengers Endgame. Kind of opens up, opens up a yeah. sorry, I it opens up a lot about stuff we've already seen. Like, yeah, uh, it, kind of, it, t- it ties a lot of it ties a lot of stuff together. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost kind of like uh, Solo, and that it kind of ties stuff together which you didn't really think you needed. Kind of tied together, yeah. but it's nice to have those ley lines yeah exactly because you get like the tesseract gets mentioned um uh like even like things from guardians of the galaxy are mentioned yeah. and you're like yeah this is good yeah because like you've got like, you've got uh people like lee pace returning as ronan the, uh, ronan the accuser yeah who weirdly enough like and i think i spoke to you about this i didn't think it was i him. didn't think it was him until i saw him in the credits yeah cause because because he... because the character's different it's a younger version of him and it's he's not as fundamentalist crazy, yeah. So it's a bit lighter, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, all in all, it's it is a very very good, uh, very good Marvel movie. Yeah, mm. it's. I think it's probably of the stand. Well, to say it's standalone, unlike a lot of the other ones which are standalones, this one is a bit more kind of ingrained in the other ones. Because of the way it links into everything, mm. uh, but I think it's certainly up there as one of the better of the standalone ones. Kind yeah, of level. yeah. I mean, we've got so many of them just now. But like again, you kind of leave the film after a mar- after another Marvel standalone film, thinking, "Yeah, that was better than yeah, that was it was better than average. It's not one of the, it's not the best, but it's like it sits nicely between uh, one of the better ones and the best. It sits yeah. nicely between those two things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean?" Um, is it in my top five Marvel films? No, but it's not my top five lowest ones. You know what no, I mean? Definitely not. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it, and uh, again, I was very happy with Brie Larson was really well cast. Um, I'm ready for Avengers Endgame and yeah. how Captain Marvel is going to impact that. So yeah, it's yeah. it was very good. Um, and, even, and even like the whole kind of like the whole kind of internet kind of bullshit about how it's trying to push forward a feminist agenda and all that it's absolute nonsense it's yeah. do you think they were saying that because it was released on uh, National Women's Day well no it's just it's, International it's, Women's Day sorry it's usually fucking neckbeard internet trolls yeah who, who are just they think that they think that their comics and their uh, comic related stuff has been infiltrated by social justice and mm. identity politics which is bullshit because mm. Marvel's been doing fucking 
political statements since fucking day one. Yeah, that's very true. It's very true. These people are idiots. Yeah, but I mean, that's where so we... So if, you, if you're fine about not seeing that because you've seen bad reviews because of that on like Rotten Tomatoes, ignore them. Yeah, yeah. Go and watch it. It's a fun... I would go as far to say it's quite exciting places. Yeah, so it's um, a very, very... It's a, all, it's a solid all-round yeah. entertaining effort. It's not boring at any point. Uh, every character in it is interesting yeah. and has something to do. There's not really any characters who are like, well, why are they in it? It's like everybody has something at yeah. stake or is involved somehow. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, again, it's just, I think Marvel just are, they're doing what they're doing. They're, they're good storytellers. Yeah. I, I also didn't realise it was directed by the uh, pair that made Half Nelson, the Ryan Gosling film. Yeah, I, did, and, I didn't know that. That's a very, when, very, very different yeah, film. <laughs> and, when, and kind of when I look back on it, the scenes in Captain Marvel, which the, it doesn't feel like the other um, Marvel films, is a kind of almost a kind of indie vibe to certain to a few of the scenes. Okay, um, like uh, when she's um, when she goes to see uh, Rambo. Yeah, um, that's her friend, not actually John Rambo. Yeah, but you see John Rambo, and she's getting the kind of speech of her being her best pal and that kind of stuff. Aye, right. uh, that is a kind of just the look of it has a kind of very indie film. Yeah, no, I can see what you're saying. Uh, yeah, but it's yeah, it's a very good movie. Uh, check yeah. it out. Um, next, it's uh, well, well worth the wait. Oh yeah, and they were saying I think it's the the Russos have said that Avengers is done. And then they were like, it's 40 days. I was like, 40 days? I thought it was out in April. I thought that was April. No, yeah, no, no, no. I was like, 40 fucking days. I was like, when did that get pushed back? Is it, so what, are we talking about? Wait June? a minute, that's, it's already March, isn't it? Yeah. Because someone said, and I didn't know this, that <laughs> Avengers Endgame is out the same day a pivotal uh, episode of Game of Thrones no, is out. 25th of April. Right, okay. So I don't know what the fuck people are saying. Then 40 <clears throat> days. Um, but yeah. Uh well no okay well wait a minute anyway yeah, probably... that that's probably right maybe I'm just talking shit but anyway uh, yeah because apparently the Avengers yeah, Endgame is out because like so Captain Marvel come out on the eighth so yeah that's no quite, yeah that's about right yeah. I think I just because I think we're more into March I th- I keep thinking we're no, it's still quite yeah um. Yeah, but I think it's like the episode where it's the Battle of Winterfell or whatever. It's like that coincides with the same day as Avengers Endgame. I'm like, oh, that's going to be a busy day. I'll be watching both of them the same day for that. Yeah, but... Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I might actually take the day off work. That'd be sweet. <laughs> I think we should all take the day off work. Oh, well... No, I don't know. Well, I've got... Well, that's the problem, actually. I'm a fucking... I was like, well, you know that way, like, in work, I've been... I've got no annual leave to take until it starts again, like, in April. So I'm like, I just want a holiday off, man. I'm, I'm at that point where I'd like to have a holiday off, so I've booked it mid-April. Not thinking that Game of Thrones is out in April, as is Avengers Endgame. I'm like, what the fuck have I done? Because I'm hoping to go up north. And I've took Mania off, so I'm like, yeah, I'll be ready. Oh, did you get Mania off? I got WrestleMania off, oh, so yeah. we're watching that. Wearing my Kofi Kingston t-shirt. Um, but yeah, I, I was like, oh shit, I don't know what I've done here, because that's smack dab in the middle of Game of Thrones and possibly Avengers Endgame, so... Is that right, your mother gets gagged? She does. Um, you just won't be able to see Endgame? No. I'll be on the, the phones going, you see the Endgame yet? Oh no, no I, will uh, not, I will not answer you, it. You do this every time though, because you've done, you've done it for the past two Star Wars films as well. 
Yeah. Well, to be fair, Star Wars is round about Christmas time, but that's the only time I get off at Christmas. But like, oh yeah, Star Wars. Oops. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, what's out next week then? Because there's not a lot out this week, uh, which is quite rightly so. Because why the fuck would you go up against a Marvel film? Let's have a wee look. Yeah, but I mean, there is that. You know, like last night when we were talking, arranging and doing this. Yeah, I was looking to see what was on. Because I was going to say, well, do you want to go see something before Aye. we do this? And there was absolutely fuck all. Yeah, I was like, there's Hee Haw. I think there's suppose, I think there's maybe a show in a Back to the Future 2 at the Forge or something like that. I'll go to the fucking Forge. Nah. That's scumbags I don't, I don't think I'll go there, but I was like, what else is on? And I was like, there's that Keira Knightley film that Paco watched, which is strange, because I'm like, watching that trailer, I'm like, why the fuck would Paco watch that? Is it just because he needs something to watch? Uh, uh, okay, here's your new releases for next week. You have Julia Roberts in the Ben is Back. Oh, yeah, I've seen the trailer for that. But, yeah, apparently it's a drug-addicted teenage boy he turns up at home. Aye, and he's not to be trusted because there's a bit of history, but it's, you know, it's about him and her reconnecting. Okay, it, you know more about that film than I do. Uh, yeah, the, tra- uh, the trailer looks a bit... Pfft, whatever. Okay. You then also have The Prodigy, which is about a mother's concern about her young son's disturbing behaviour thinks there's something supernatural going on and that has Sarah Bloom where did I know Sarah Bloom from? Mm, not oh, sure she's Taylor Schilling from fucking Orange is the New Black fucking hate Taylor Schilling right okay uh, you have the remake of What Men Want with uh, uh, is that the Mel Gibson effort? no that's What the, Women that, Want uh, yeah but it's a remake of that oh but it's uh, the, but from it's, the uh, girls Taraji P. Henson who I said looks like Falsa Doom. <laughs> oh, I know who you're talking about. Mm. Uh, and also Tracy Morgan is in there. No, I'll um, give that a miss, thanks. You have Under Silver Lake, which uh, is David Robert Mitchell's new film, who did It Follows. Oh, wait, 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 you got me interested. And it's got Andrew Garfield and Riley Keogh in it. All right. You got- it also has Topher Grace. Uh, I don't hate Topher Grace. Uh, uh, he's just he's just there. Uh, All right, I'm in. Oh yes, well, you got a big new Jerry Butler movie called The Vanishing. Oh wait, uh, is that the Scottish one? It's about lighthouse keepers. Aye, it's got him and I, uh, big uh, pig thingy Peter Mullins and Peter yeah. Mullins in it as well. I I know nothing about that film. Mm. Uh, you have Girl with. Uh, Nobody, because it's a foreigners. And you also have Fisherman's Friends. That oh, the, terrible the, the, looking oh, man. film about... Uh, is it, a folk band of fishermen. Yeah, folk band from Cornwall. Yeah, they, they, they get the... It's, it's based on a true story about how they were like a bunch of fishermen who are, are also a folk band, but they get signed a record label yeah. and had like a... It was like a top 10 or top 20 album. Um, it looks like your very run of the mill British. Uh, it looks bullshit. Well, <laughs> it looks like a very. It, look, it looks like all the reasons why I dislike the British film industry. I think what you would class it as is it's for the the grey. It is. It's for the grey market. The grey yeah. market. Yeah. yeah. Um, the following week looks a bit better. You've got um, Jordan Peele's new movie. Of, Everyone is saying that's really yeah, good. And you have the White Crow, which is uh, Yuriev. Uh, biopic. All right. By, uh, Finder, that it? looks good, man. Yeah, I like the, I, the trailer looked yeah. good. Because uh, he's directing and he's in it. Uh, 
There's a little bit of Cold War. Yeah, Aye. Oh well. Needless to say, we'll we'll have watched stuff. Uh, Paco Rodriguez. Uh, if he, he, if, he may uh, be back. Yeah. Be if if he's returned uh, from. Uh, well, it stops snowing, but if he's returned from, uh, you know, the, 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 the his walk uh, unscathed with uh, our friend Danny, then he'll probably be back. But, um, yeah, thanks for coming on again, Neil. I, I know you. it was a hard day. I'm here for much every week. I know, but you've <laughs> no slept in 31 hours, which is hard. Um, well, to be fair, it's longer now. I'll be like 35 <laughs> now, whatever. But anyway, but we'll be back for next week. You can get us on... At Raptors Podcast. Honestly, if MD's watched Serenity or you just want to talk talk yeah, to us, I, I get kinda, involved. I kind of want to know what people think of that. Yeah, it's, it is a big talking point. Um, get us at Raptors Podcast or uh, Neil's at Scorch AO8. I'm at Vast Destruction. Paco is at Paco RUK, I think. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and then we're on SoundCloud and uh, Facebook a lot. But give us a listen. Uh, but anyway, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.